Amen. Thank you again, Brother Greg, ladies and congregation. Love the good singing. Tonight we're in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. We're looking at the purpose of God's blessing. I, I would say to you that there's not a person alive that doesn't long for, pray, and desire the blessings of God upon their life. But we probably never thought why the Lord would bless a person. There's a purpose in God blessing, and we're going to learn that tonight. This has been a very profitable psalm for my soul. I pray that it would help you as well. It's a short psalm, just seven verses. If you found your place and we're, you're able, we'd invite you to stand. Your copy of the Scriptures open, and we'll honor and reverence the reading of God's holy and errant, infallible, inspired word together. The Bible says in verse 1, God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. Selah. That thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. You may be seated, and we'll trust the Lord to bless the reading of His holy word. Here is another anonymous psalm. The title suggests a psalm or a song. I would tell you that all psalms are songs, Hebrew hymns, but not all songs are psalms. It may take you a moment to get a hold of that, but this is truly a song of praise and thanksgiving given to the chief musician to lead the choir of God in worship unto the living God. So I, I think all songs that help me worship should be one tucked away in my portfolio of music and of psalms, and this is definitely one of those. This psalm is often called Israel's missionary psalm because it instructs others the way of God. That, that's a great song. I, I don't want a song that doesn't instruct me how to worship or the things of God, and that song does this. Others have labeled this psalm as Israel's millennial prayer, for it longs for the day when all the peoples of the earth shall sing unto the Lord. Many scholars feel that this was written by the same writer of the previous psalm, and the background is the same, like that of uh, the miraculous rescue of Jerusalem from Sennacherib's hands. And there's others out there, I'm just telling you, others out there like Spurgeon hold very strongly, no, this is written by David, and it was a time of national deliverance during his reign. People get caught up and write books about stuff like that. What gets me is they sail. How can you speculate on what God has not articulated on? So I would tell you tonight, don't get caught up in those things. And it's important that I say that because many people run rabbits. Who wrote this is not as important as what he wrote. The truths that are articulated in this text, as long as truth is presented and God is exalted and glorified, that's what matters. This psalm has timeless truth that promotes praise and worship of the living God, and it gives the very purpose of God's blessing upon a people, and 
It also has the millennial reign of Christ in view. So a conscious Christian is going to grab this psalm and embrace it to their heart for those two very reasons. I want to know why God would bless a certain people. And I also want to look forward to that golden, that golden day. This world has nothing to compare, nothing to offer. I want to look forward to that golden day and be prepared when all the people of the earth shall praise him. And so let's look and learn together the purpose of God's blessing now and a preview of the greater blessing for the people of God in that coming day. And verse 1 gives us really the plea of the psalmist in this song. Verse 1 says, God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then you have the musical pause, Selah, which means stop and reflect on what's been said. Literally translated there, what do you think of that? So let's think about his plea for a moment. In this prayer, in this psalm, in this song, the plea is for the activity of God. I, I hope that you've come that way of your spiritual life. I hope you're there when one of the deepest and greatest longings of your heart is to have the activity of God. I'm His. If you're a child of God, you're His. You're bought and paid for. You've lived long enough under the economy of God that you realize that you need God at work in your life. You want the activity of God. That's where I'm happy. That's where I'm content and satisfied. So what does the activity of God look like? You can see this in three areas that the psalmist gave us. And the activity of the Lord, the activity of God in our life is his plea is, number one, he wanted the Lord's mercy. Who doesn't? Surely you, you long for that every day. The Bible says it's fresh and new every day and endures to all generation. I've learned to praise him for that. And so I thank God for the mercy of God. I used to hear the old timers sitting around the city market, and they'd talk about God's grace and God's mercy. Well, they're gone. They've done graduated. I've heard my mom and daddy brag upon the mercy of the Lord in their life. I'm a different generation. I'm glad I can stand tonight behind the sacred desk and proclaim the mercy of the Lord has reached my generation has reached me. And so the activity of God is longing for the mercy of God in his life. And I tell you, Israel has always survived by nothing more or nothing less than the Lord's mercy. I tell you, if you follow Israel's history, there is absolutely no other explanation to their existence outside of the mercy of Almighty God. They've had so many enemies that have sworn to destroy them and annihilate them off the planet. Their wicked acts... Israel's wicked acts of flesh have angered God so many times. His wrath has been tempered with mercy. Or this planet would have been wiped clean of the nation of Israel. But I look in the mirror. I look in the mirror. So is with us as well. If it were not for the Lord's mercy, the Bible said we'd be consumed already. And so I've learned to praise God and long for the activity of God in my life, specifically His mercy, and that's why I'm still here. That's why I'm not consumed. That's why the Lord's activity is still in my life. The second part, He not only prayed and pled for the Lord's mercy, but also for the Lord's blessings. You know, who here doesn't want God's blessings on their life? Surely you pray that. The psalmist did. And so the psalmist knew by experience there was no satisfaction in this world or the things of this world. 
We just heard it in a prayer request. When a woman can't go shopping and be happy, something's wrong. I had to throw that in there, but the truth of the matter is there's no happiness. There's no contentment. There's no satisfaction in this world. Have you lived long enough as a Christian to get that? A lost person will look at me so confused. What are you talking about? Once you're saved, you realize this world loses its luster. Our theme song is, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. So one just cannot be happy and content in life without God. I thought you had a shout right there. You've tasted this world. You've tried its pleasures. If you're saved, you come to the place and said you can have all that. I've never been full, satisfied, or content until I met God. And so you cannot be satisfied in this world without God. It is only the blessings of God that satisfies our every longing and sustains us through no matter what comes our way. It is the Lord that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow thereunto, said the writer of Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. And trust me, I don't care what you've done, what you've experienced, what you know, where you've been, you have fallen short to what Solomon did. Solomon had more resources, more opportunities, and more abilities to do everything that you've longed to do in your wicked flesh, and yet he come up with the same conclusion you did. Exhausted, empty, vain, void. Vanity, vanity, saith the preacher. It's all in vain. Just give me Jesus. And so you've lived long enough that you want the activity of God in your life because you need his mercy every day. And you need his blessing. I need God to bless me. Because I can get a promotion at work, but if I don't have God, it's worthless. I can get some extracurricular activity in my life, but if I don't have God, I'm still empty and exhausted. I can get more money. I can have more things. I can get a better house and a better car. But if I don't have God, I'm still empty and exhausted. I'll tell you what I need is what God blesses me with. Because that's what brings satisfaction and contentment, happiness, and joy in my life. You're a Christian. You know that. You need the activity of God in your life. It also brings the favor of God. How desperately the psalmist wanted the Lord's face to shine upon him and them, the nation of Israel. If there is any light in this dark and dismal world, it comes from above. He is the light of the world and lights every man that comes unto him. It's only God can give direction and favor in this dark, dark world. And the psalmist wanted the dark night to give way unto a dawning of a brand new day. Spiritually, you know what I'm talking about. I think John Newton sang it best. I was blind. I was groping around in the darkness of this old lost world. In the depravity of my sin, I was blind, but praise God, now I see. That's why we sing, I saw the light. Do you remember when the light bulb went off? Do you remember how blind and sin you were? But God, God revealed himself. He turned on the light, and you're still down here, but you're living in the dawning of a brand new day. You have direction, you have hope, and you have life. Why? Because his face shines upon you 
If you've not figured this out yet, this prayer, this plea is borrowed from Aaron's priestly prayer that God gave that God gave Moses to give to Aaron to pray a prayer of blessing for the people of God. It's found in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24 through 26. And it says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. That, my friend, is the activity of God in our life. We need that if we're going to worship him right. Verse 2 gives us the purpose of God being active in a, per, a person's life. You know, we, we say it all the time. We said, you know, God's been good to me. God's better to me than I deserve. Sometimes we say it like this. I, I don't know why God's so good to me. Sometimes we say, who, who am I that God would just make his face to shine upon me, to bless me, to instill mercy in my life? I don't understand. I mean, God's mighty good to me. But don't just stop there. The psalmist tells us there's a reason that God's so good to you. There's a reason God answered your prayer. I told you, every conscious Christian prays, God, I need mercy. Every conscious Christian says, God, bless me. Y'all just look at me. Are you crazy? Why would you not ask that? Jabez said, bless me and bless me indeed. Why would you not want the blessings of God in your life? And then we pray, oh, Lord, well, I want your face to shine upon me. I need to have some direction and hope in my life. I need the light of Christ in my life. You pray that, but there's a reason for that. He gives us the purpose. Look at verse 2. That thy, that's God's way, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. So if you hear nothing else, hear this tonight. The reason God blesses us with the activity of God in our life is that others may know the way of God. For our testimony to be enhanced and to be built all people everywhere want God to be merciful to them, want Him to bless them and have His favor upon their life. But the truth of the matter is that when we cry out for all those things in our life, usually we cry out with no other purpose but selfish gain. We never think about why God would do something good in our life. We just want it. I'll give you some examples. Most of the time we just ask God's mercy, God's blessing, God's favor to alleviate our pain. Oh, God, help me. I'm in a bad spot. I'm, I'm hurting, Lord. I, I need you to bless me. I need your mercy. Yes, yes. I need your favor upon my life. Yes. Most of the time, I tell you, it's either for selfish gain or alleviate our pain or to get us out of trouble. It's sad, but sometimes that's the only time that a Christian actually wants the activity of God in their life. I'm in trouble, Lord, help me. We use him like a 911 call or a spare tire. Most of the time we cry these things because we simply just want what we want. To get what we want. But not the psalmist. The psalmist wanted the blessings of God upon his life so that the world may see and know the activity of God. They would see the way of God because seeing is believing. See, the blessings of God upon the nation of Israel was a strong and a mighty testimony to the rest of the world that there is no God like Jehovah. Mount Carmel. Elijah with the prophet of Baal. In that day, they saw the fire of God. 
they saw the favor and the blessings of God. And even the pagans said, there is no God like the God of Elijah. So why would God be good to you? Why would God bless you? Why would God show mercy in your life? Why would God just, can we say it with, like this with the activity of God in our life? We're just spoiled rotten. God's just mighty, mighty good to us. That's not for your selfish gain just to hoard it all up. That's for you to build a strong testimony. For you to testify. For you to praise. For you to worship. For you to serve. That all around you would see, my, how good his God is. My, how good her God is. I want some of that. How do you get that? Keep your hands clean. Keep your heart pure. Obey him. Serve him. And you'll be satisfied that you did. Because God's no man's debtor. You serve God, he'll bless your socks off. God is good. So now we know the reason. Why is God so good to this church? Why? So that the lost world could say, man, I don't know nothing about that chinka pen. I ain't never been down there. But I hear they're having folks saved all the time. They, they've, got a, they've got an associate pastor who stays waterlogged. I don't understand it. Man, God's providing for them. Did you hear what happened down there? I mean, they went into a building project during COVID. They're nuts. I heard they saved money. I heard, I heard, oh, I hear the newsflash. $1.1 million and it's barely a year. On almost a $5 million project, really. Who does that? My God. They're going to catch you down here at the market and say, is that true? Oh, yeah, you ain't heard half of it. You might as well order another sandwich because it's going to take a while. Let me tell you how good God is. Why? Because seeing is believing. Don't you tell me that lost people out there don't need the mercy of the Lord. Don't you tell me they're exhausted and depleted and they need something different. They need the blessings of God and the favor of God upon their life. And when they're sitting back in the corner seeing God be so good to you, it speaks volumes. And you get to share the way of God that leads to the activity of God in your life. And they'll be drawn to him like a moth to a flame. That's the desire. They see his activity in your life, and they'll want that in their life as well. That's where Christianity becomes contagious. I just have a question. Shouldn't we have the same desire as the psalmist? Shouldn't we long for God to bless us so that others could see and know the goodness of God? I mean, should we not... Hear our testimony? Should we not take it everywhere we go? Should we not praise the Lord for his goodness? And should not our praise lead to their practice of learning to trust him as well? John Stott, I want you to hear this. John Stott said the greatest hindrance to evangelism in the local church today is the failure of the church to supply sufficient evidence in their own lives of the work and the saving power of the living God. They need to see the activity of God in our lives. I'm just about convinced when they see a glow of God on somebody's life and they see the favor of God in somebody's life, you really don't even have to say nothing. They just say, well, say what's wrong with you? What's different about you? What's going on with you? And then you can say, well, let me just tell you about my Lord. 
Boy, I'm telling you, it's the easiest way in the world to be able to share the gospel. And so I'm thankful for the purpose. I appreciate God's son. Then we get a preview. Look at verse 3. He says, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For, they shall, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Selah. There's that repeat chorus. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our God, our own God, shall bless us. And so we have a preview here of, number one, Universal joy, universal joy. We see this in global praise, a time when the people praise the Lord, when all peoples praise the Lord, when all nations praise the Lord. I don't think I have to tell you this, but that time's not come yet. I told you this had overtones of the millennium. It's not come yet. But I'd like to just reflect for a moment and try to imagine what that day would be like. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to have everyone praise the Lord, everyone singing for joy unto the Lord? I, for one, could not contain myself if I saw just half of the church at Chinkapin praise the Lord at one time. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm not being mean. I'm just telling y'all killing me. I've been preaching my liver up for over 14 years now. I come from a high-spirited church. We had runners. We had shouters. We had women that shout their hair till come down. I mean, folks got excited in the Lord. What's wrong with y'all? I've been trying to prime the pump for 14 years. Sometimes I think the well's broke. We'll get an amen. Praise the Lord. That's right, preacher. Wouldn't you like to see it? Will we just quit worrying and start worshiping and praising? I promise you, I don't think my physical body could contain it if just half of us would just praise the Lord together and to sing. Greg could probably pass out. Sing. But he didn't say just sing. Because I'm convinced most people in the church just sing. We just numbly go through the words in our mind and out of our mouth, never even know what they're saying. Because we've heard it. You know, the church has ten hymns we sing all the time. When I go, on to, go to revival, you know, that church has their ten hymns. Same ones all the time. You're like, wow, that's pretty good. Where did, where'd that come from? But we've sung them for so many times of routine, they just become rote and routine. That's not what he says. The Bible says they sang for joy. Whoo! I like being in one of those services. You've, you, you, know, you know the difference. You, you know when God sits down on the choir and you see the song, it makes the hearing a lot better. You should see the song before you hear the song. Because they're singing for joy. Well, I tell you, that I'm longing for that day. I, I've been in some conferences and meetings and stuff where there's been two and three hundred piece choirs. 
full orchestras. Now, that may not do anything for you, but, man, it does something for me. When they get up there and start singing, oh, what a Savior. They start singing these songs of Zion. And there's a bunch of them with smiles on their face. Boy, that's different in the Baptist church. They're singing because they love the Lord. And the love of God is in them and on them. And they're singing for joy. It does something to me. I've been blessed enough to travel. I've been in churches where I've sat there and they'll say, come on, choir. They'll get up there and they might be five or seven people. And they needed the Barney mic. Like y'all don't watch Andy Griffith. And they look like they just had a root canal with no Novocaine. They're mad because somebody told them to come up and sing. And I'm sitting there and thinking, dear Lord, I've got to preach. Help me. Lord, help me. There's help. There's help when somebody stands up for the joy of the Lord. Singing because there's joy in their soul. And they praise him because he's worthy to be praised. And I know we're struggling down here. I know we're struggling. But one of these days it won't be a struggle. I'm excited. I, for one, have chosen not to wait till that day. I'm going to praise him. I don't care if I'm all along. I'm going to praise him. He's been too good to me not to. I'm going to praise him. And I may not be choir material, but I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing because it's right here. I love them old songs. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, I can't think about, oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful my Savior's love for me. I can't think about things like that and not be moved in my heart and sing. So am I all key, but my heart's right, just scoot over one more seat. Because I'm going to sing. Why? Because one of these glorious golden days. Please get this in your mind. Please get this in your mind. When the, all the redeemed of the, of the family of God are gathered before the throne of God. The meekest, the quietest, the most backward and shy person on the planet who is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb in that day will shout and praise the living God and will sing for joy unto Him. I'm excited about that day. But I told you I've made up my mind. I'm not going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm going to get some practice down here now. So I have a question. Who will join me? Universal joy is coming. That's a preview. I wouldn't mind if he loaded up the bus tonight. But then there's universal justice. The Bible says in this text that, For thou, talking of God, shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Well, you know that day's not here yet. The rule of God doesn't govern. But he will. He's coming. And I'd say no wonder there was such shouting and praising and rejoicing and singing. When Christ shall rule and reign, he shall judge and rule with righteous government. That means no more injustice. No more political scandals. No more corruption. No more corrupt courts and crooked lawyers and judges. No more wicked or evil laws. None of that will ever be tolerated again. Nothing but righteous reigns. Selah. What do you think of that? 
That'd be nice. That would be really nice. You could sleep at night with your doors open. You can walk the streets without fear. You can let your children be children again. Why? Because He reigns. He reigns in righteousness. It's always right. Selah. What do you think of that? I say, well, glory. I say what John says. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I long for that day when God, a glorious day when God reestablishes upon this planet morality. Wouldn't that be nice? No more Pride Week. Even so, come quickly. Notice the provision, verses 6 and 7. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. And God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. Two thoughts, and we're going home in the provision of this great psalm. The faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God to do what? He says in this text, to provide the increase. It is only, hear me well, if you're taking notes, write it down. It is only under the rule of God that the land will yield her increase. Over the difficult years of sin and Israel's life, the land that once flowed with milk and honey had turned to a barren desert because of her sin. We've witnessed of recent a small change, a small change in that land. I think it's due to the returning of the people of God back to that native land. We've seen a small part. But in this reflection and preview of the golden day, when God rules and God reigns, when he takes his father's throne, David, and sets and rules and reigns, then, as promised, we will see that land bloom again like never before. God will give the increase. Now, what's the application? Because we're not Jews and we're not in Israel. Well, the application's clear. I don't think anything's changed. I still believe the same truth. If you want the faithfulness of God in your life, if you want God to provide that which you need, if you want God to give the increase, it'll only come when the rule of God is over your life. When you live under the Lordship of Christ, when you give Him your heart, your whole heart, and He will provide every need you had. I still believe that. Paul said, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. So you be faithful to Him and He'll be faithful to you. He has provisions for those who serve Him and those who trust Him. And if God is to give the increase, it'll be when we submit ourselves to the rule of God in our life. Where God reigns, there's never a need. There's never a need. You, you, you want to you wanna take that to task tonight? Let, let's do that. Go back to the day that you give God your life. You received His Son, Christ. You repent of your sins. You placed your faith in Him. He saved you. The burden of your soul rolled away. He forgave you. He become your Lord, your Savior. Has He not met your every need? Can you not stand in the camp of David that said, I was young and I'm older now and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or thy seed begging for bread? Praise God. Praise God. God's been good to me. Maybe some of you could stand on the hill of Elijah and say, boy, I was in a tight spot, but God sent some ravens my way. <laughs> See, I still believe God put you on a rock and take care of you. Why? Because he's a covenant-keeping God. 
You want the faithfulness of God in your life? You be faithful to God. You place yourself under the Lordship of Christ. You let Him rule and reign. He is Lord. So where God leads, where God reigns, where God lords, there's never a need. Again, as I said, Paul said, all of my needs. But I can go a step further than that. How many of us could stand and testify tonight that God's been better than just meet my needs? Sometimes God's good enough to just take care of our wants. You believe that's true? Mm -hmm. I'm living proof, but David stood on the hills of Bethlehem and proclaimed it, said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> oh, I've been satisfied in Jesus. Shoo, it's good. Nothing this world has to offer has ever brought satisfaction to my soul than Jesus. Amen. Jesus fills my every longing. He's good. So God blesses his children. Even our own God, he said, shall bless us. So the provisions of God is not only his faithfulness, but also the fear of God. The Bible says in this last part of the text, he said, God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So those that are far off, those at the ends of the world, they also shall fear. Those the furthest way will fear and tremble before the living God. What does that mean? In the day of God's exaltation, in the day of God's reign, those that are afar off, those that are living on the other side, they'll fear and tremble. They'll have holy respect for the living God. They will end all of their idolatry. They will adore the one and true and the living God. All tribes, all people groups, without exception, will feel a sacred awe for the God of Israel. All ignorance of who he is, will be abolished. As I said, idolatry will be abolished. It is the Lord's love, the Lord's light, the Lord's life will reign supremely. He will be exalted above all and over all, and he will be displayed, as John said, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. None higher, none holier, and all will fear before him. What does that mean? reverence all as the as the song says i stand amazed in the presence of jesus the nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean but oh how marvelous oh how wonderful is my savior's love for me far and wide they'll come and they'll stand in awe of the great king and so, if that's the way it's going to be, I believe the book. Y'all believe the book? I believe there's a golden day of exaltation. I believe there's a day when God will take his throne on earth. I believe God will set up his kingdom in the person of Jesus. He'll rule and reign forever, and to his kingdom there shall be no end. I believe that golden day is coming. God's going to rule in righteousness. And if that's the way it's going to be in the future rule of Christ upon this earth, if he will bless us, if he will provide for us supreme joy and perfect justice, if he's going to restore all morality and material blessings to the people of God, well, I believe it's well within reason that we learn to praise him, worship him, and serve him so that others may see the goodness of God through our testimony and be drawn to him while it's still time. So, may our words 
and our works serve the purpose that God's way may be known upon the earth. As it was told me as a young boy, God blesses you to bless others. God does good in your life so you'd show good to others that they may not see you, but they'd see the God inside of you. And so who needs help with that tonight? Who needs help? God's been so good to you, but have you been good for God? Boy, you didn't have to ask that preacher. Yes, I did. God's been so good to you, but have you been good for God? Are you a good tool in the hand of God? Are you a faithful instrument? Are you bragging on the goodness of God? Can they see your testimony? Do they hear your presentation? Why? God's good to you that they may know Him. You need some help? Well, you know the source. Come and give Him your praise. Come and worship Him. Come and declare His goodness that all the world may know His way. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor of studying this psalm and sharing the truths that you gave to us. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and you would seal it in our hearts to bring greater obedience and loyalty to you. Our world's in a mess because we've been lazy. Our world's in a mess because we've been asleep. Our world's in a mess because we've been silent. God, help us to wake up. Help us to go forward with the gospel on our lips, sharing the goodness of God. Lord, help us tonight. May there be fresh commitments around this altar. And God, if there's someone here that don't know Jesus, oh, Lord, give us privilege and opportunity to share Jesus with them tonight. Let them come. Let them receive you as Savior, and they'll be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen.